What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited that you're here today because we have another special guest we have with us today, Christopher Wick, and you know what? He's amazing. We are so lucky to have him. Chris is an investor and chairman of Say Yes Enterprises, which helps entrepreneurs create a truly valuable, sellable business without selling their soul and achieve freedom by creating an exciting exit plan that supports their ultimate vision. I'm so excited to introduce you to him and share with you some of his wisdom that he's shared with me in the past, and you guys are going to be the benefactors of that today. So let's cue the intro, and we will jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Okay, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Awesome. Hey, you know what? It has been a fun time getting to know you uh, in the days that I've been privileged to meet you and learn from you. And uh, I'm so excited to share with you or share our audience with you or reverse that, share you with our audience. And uh, and we're going to have some fun. But, you know, I love to start these interviews uh, back in the place where a lot of us have been and, and go through even through the journey, which is how did you get into this entrepreneurial game and how did you get going on being an investor? What's your story? Share with us a little bit how you got here and, and how you uh, took the journey. Sure. Absolutely. be my honor. So I'm sure anyone who's listening can relate to going to school and being asked, you know, what are you passionate about? What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be? And I remember when I was young, I didn't have much clarity on that. You know, I had a friend who wanted to be a baker and she wanted to open a bakery. That made so much sense. I had a friend who enjoyed building things. So he wanted to be an engineer. That made so much sense. And then in college, someone asked me to stand up in front of the room and tell people what I wanted to be when I grew up and what I was passionate about. And they said, Christopher, stand up and tell the room what you want to do. And I said, I want to help people. And that was it. <laughs> that was all I had. All I wanted to do was help people because that was my mission on this planet was to serve. And luckily, I truly believe in one of my favorite quotes, which is we make a living by what we get and we make a life by what we give by Winston Churchill. It's on my website. And that's something I live by. And in my early 20s, I met someone who needed what I had, which was help. And they needed help growing their business. And with no technical background with no certifications, no experience. I became a digital marketing consultant and started helping people with social media. I was not a techie person. I was not a social person. I used to joke that I only had a Twitter account so I could stay alive. And then I just started helping people by getting their message out there, getting their business out there. And I truly believe when you live a life on purpose and you live a life by design like I do, the right people will come into place. It's very similar to right before we went live. We talked about, you know, I really don't have anything to promote because everything I do is really through attraction rather than promotion. I meet the right people at the right time. They want to work with us and we're so privileged. But to fast forward that, at the age of 29, I was at a crossroads. 
And anyone who's listening to this podcast, especially the business choreography podcast, they're probably at a crossroads and they're probably wondering, what do I do now? And we've experienced it lately with our economy and all the adventures that are happening all over the globe. What do I do now? And something that really scares me is when people pivot too much. If you pivot too much, you're just going to keep going in circles. So I want to save people from that. As someone who started with zero dollars in the bank, no background, no high school diploma, and I found my way, I want people listening to find their way too. And at the age of 29, my crossroads was, how can I serve the world at a greater capacity? I was 29 years old. By this time, I had helped 400 businesses use the power of social media to grow their businesses and make more money and serve more people. And I really was at a crossroads of knowing like, okay, I'm really great at helping people grow their businesses and helping them market, but I want to do more. I I don't want to talk about coupon promotion. I don't want to talk about how much more pizza can we sell. I don't want to talk about how many more units can I push of my inventory. I truly wanted to dive deep with people. And the reason why I was such a successful marketing consultant was because I cared so deeply. And at the age of 29, I thought I'm going to do what I've been doing for all these years with helping other people grow their businesses. I'm going to grow my own business. So I decided to go buy one at the age of 29 with no experience, no training, no formal education. I'm not sure if you're noticing a pattern here. (laughs) I went out and I started looking. And for months, I researched for businesses to buy. I researched for, gosh, almost a year. And then I bought my very first business, which was an e-commerce business. And within 11 months, I tripled my investment. I'm going to say that again for you and all of our listeners. In 11 months, I tripled my investment from buying a business and then selling it. So I thought... Well, of course, what any great entrepreneur thinks is, aha, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so you think underneath the success of my very first acquisition, tripling my investment, I, you know, I own real estate, I own stock, I own crypto. There's nowhere you could get, you know, triple your investment in 11 months. So I decided to do it again, like any good entrepreneur would. I decided to buy another business. And at the age of 30, I bought another business and I lost my entire investment in eight oh weeks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So I say that because I want to equalize the playing field. If you're an entrepreneur out there and you've had some successes and you've had some failures, guess what I have to do? And now here, as we sit many years later from my first two acquisitions, I've done almost 20 acquisitions now. And thankfully, my only really bad failure was that second one. But I learned And that is really what led me into the wonderful world of mergers and acquisitions. So here, as I stand here before you today in my early 30s, I live, eat, and breathe mergers and acquisitions, and I help people grow their businesses. I do it full-time, day in, day out. It's what I do. It's not a side hustle. It's not a hobby. It's what my investment firm does. And every single day, I get to do exactly what I said my first day in college is I just want to help people. That's amazing. And I feel like the equalizing part is such a big deal because I think so many times people think, oh, I can't start now. You know, it's uh, it's too late for me or I, I can't do that. But there's ups and downs in businesses and or in business and we all go through it. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe one of your uh, throwing a Hail Mary moment where it was like, okay, everything's hit the fan and I'm just, we just got to make this work and you found a way to make it work? Oh gosh, what a great question, by the way. And there are so many of them. And that's, that's really why when I speak with people earlier this morning, I was teaching and I was telling my students, 
the best thing I can do for people is be totally authentic, totally truthful, and trust that my message is going to come across straight and to share the failures along with the successes. Because we all see the wonderful LinkedIn bios. We all see, if you looked at my LinkedIn bio, I've won like 14 awards in the past decade. We all see the highlights of like all the things that went right, but we don't do a very good job in the entrepreneurial community of all the things that didn't go right. And that's one thing I'd like to change about our community is talk about, you know, as much as I love to talk about, you know, how did I get into this? And my first acquisition, I will always, every time I talk about how successful that first acquisition was and tripling my investment in 11 months, I will always talk about my second was a complete failure because I didn't know what I was doing. I had no formal training, no formal education. <laughs> and in the moments where we had those Hail Marys, and for some entrepreneurs listening, they might be in that moment now, or they may be experiencing more frequently than they like is to go back to having a life by design. And I'm going to say what I'm about to say, and I don't say this to impress you or to impress our listeners. I'm going to say this to impress upon you, like Tony says, and how valuable this is. I live a life by design. I work on average 20 to 25 hours a week. And that's like if I'm getting crazy and I employ a wonderful staff of people, I own a portfolio of businesses and the majority of my life is spent not working. Now, why do I say this? Why would I get on live air and say I only work 20, 25 hours a week? And that's because I live a life by design, not by default. And that's something I'd love all your listeners to hear. I don't work 20 to 25 hours a week because I have it easy. I was the entrepreneur hustling and working 70, 80 hours a week. But then I discovered something that the more I worked didn't necessarily translate to more income. It was the more that I served. And what I found throughout my career is I can serve at a much higher capacity if I have minimal focused work. So when I do work, we're going ham. We're going to the wall. But when I'm not working, I'm fulfilled by other parts of my life that don't have to do with income, that don't have to do with career and prestige, because we want to have a life. Just like that quote I mentioned at the beginning, we make a living by what we get, and we make a life by what we give. And that that is what I want people to hear if they're in a Hail Mary moment, that they're probably working too much. They probably don't have a great business partner, if, if, if any at all. And what I would like them to do is to step back and live a life by design. And when I did that, I decided I want to work less than 25 hours and I want to serve the world at a really high capacity. And I do that now helping thousands of business owners every year. I love that. And the, the, you alluded to having a great business partner. And I, I know that so many entrepreneurs are, are sort of gun shy about having partners or, you know, they've have their war stories of how it didn't work out or, or how it just didn't go right when they had a partner. And I hear it all the time. Like, I swear I'll never have a partner again. I'm just going to do this by myself. But then our, one of our mentors together also says all the time, there, there aren't any billionaires in the world that own a hundred percent of their company. There just aren't. They all are doing it because they found great people to work with. And uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the partner side of things and, and how you've been able to find partners that you can work with and that, that you uh, trust and that you like having as partners? Yeah, for sure. You know, if there's one thing I go down in history for, if it's not about value and serving others, it's probably going to be partnership because I don't want to own a hundred percent of anything. In fact, uh, two weeks ago, I had a deal come across my desk because we get tons of deals and, and I'm so fortunate that we do after working so hard in this industry and building a name for ourselves. 
And I had a wonderful deal and I offered it up to some of our students. And why would I do that? Why would I take a deal I could easily have 100% of? I could have an amazing opportunity. And why would I turn around and give it to other people? And that's because one, when all everything is doing well, we all ride. Okay. So I believe very much in helping the entire entrepreneurial community thrive. But also, if we work together with one another, we're going to have better experiences. People get turned off of partnerships because of horror stories, because of failed marriages, all the things that we experience. Most everyone listening has been through a breakup. Most everyone listening has been through a friendship that didn't pan out. And that's because relationships reveal ourselves to ourselves. We, we learn more about ourselves through relationships than any other endeavor. And that's because of understanding people, human behavior. I got my very first business partner in my late 20s, and I really realized like, wow, this is so much better than working in a vacuum or working solo because there are things I am very good at doing. Like I am a rainmaker. I am a deal maker. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I am not a good manager. I am not <laughs> good at making sure Susie sent in the accounting report at Tuesday, 11 a.m. That's, I'm, that's never going to be me. And on the contrary, I have business partners who are great detail people. They're going to make sure Susie sends the bookkeeping report on Tuesday morning while I focus on big picture. And here's the call that I have for anyone listening is if you're working too hard or too much, it's probably because you're doing it alone. Well, why would I make that giant speculation because I've done that. I've been there. I've had several businesses where it was just little on me and maybe a couple of assistants trying to figure it out. And my world changed when I started to do partnerships and not partnerships like, Hey, I'm going to pay for this. Or like, Hey, we're going to, you know, split this 50 50. When I truly went in and said, we are a team, we're going to be partners. We're going to figure this out. Then I had massive momentum. And things began to happen faster because I can focus on deal-making, rain-making, teaching and coaching, and they can focus on details, all those cool things, and then we can grow together. And out of almost 20 acquisitions that I've done, the wide majority of them are partnerships. And I hope it always stays like that. I hope that I always get to partner with amazing people, regardless of if they're more accomplished than I am, or in many cases, have I done more than they have? I truly believe we can all serve and contribute in those deals. But what's required to be a good partner? What's required to have a good partnership? And that first comes from how we are living in integrity with our own businesses, our own routines, our own dealings. And that is the challenge for most people is they're scared to open up. They're scared to open up their books and show someone their financials. They're scared to peel back the curtain and say like, I'm working 80 hours a week and I'm not figuring it out. And the moment when you can stand before someone and say, here's how many hours I work. Here's how much I make. Here's what my business does. And I'd like this help. The moment that you are completely authentic about where you are, the world is your oyster. And that's when help shows up. It's a, uh... It's amazing that that's the case. And, and I can't tell our audience enough the, the wonderful power of that. And I, you know, you, you're saying like, there's that moment when you commit and then all of a sudden things start to open up. And, and I, I mean, I think we're all guilty of going it alone and th- thinking to ourselves, I'm just going to do this. I, I can do it myself. I want to be the one that gets the accolades and the credit for it. And so you just like hunker down and, and like dig in. And, and in so many instances, and I, I can name one is just the time that I got hooked up with you to do some coaching. And, uh, and it was amazing because I, I just remember coming off that call that we had with you and, and you gave us some great advice and, and, uh, 
you know, at the end you were like, just, just go do these things and the, and the deals and the flow and all that's going to just come and it's going to be great. And I was like, okay, I've heard that before, but yeah, we'll do what you said. And next thing you know, it was like, okay, I have so many deals on my desk. I, I, uh, okay, well, <laughs> I gotta start sifting through this and it, it's just like you said, and it works just like that. And, and I appreciate that so much from you guys. You gotta listen, listen to what Chris is telling you here because it is so valuable and it it is so imperative that you start to take those steps to move forward, forward towards that. Chris, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, maybe the, the experience that I like to call it a rabbit hole moment when you realize buying businesses, selling businesses was like, oh yeah, this is the thing. Like, was there a moment where you realized this was like what was calling your soul? <laughs> For sure. And I'd love to say it was coming off of the tales of success of my first one where I tripled my investment, but it was actually the second one because I knew one, if I can overcome this type of loss where I lost my entire investment in eight weeks, like the whole thing, the whole thing just went completely down. I knew if I can survive that emotionally, financially, (laughs) if I can survive that and I still want to do this, I can do anything. But for me, it was about maximizing my impact because before the age of 29, I'd personally helped 400 businesses use their marketing to grow and serve more people. And I was very passionate about that. And there was only that one piece I could help with. I was only helping with their marketing. Then when I became a business investor and started buying and selling businesses, I was able to help people at a very large level and not just like our stakeholders, you know, we've got our employees, we have our advisors, we have business partners. You know, every week, every Friday, I'm responsible for feeding hundreds of families. And that is a wonderful privilege. And I hope that I always carry that burden with me. And then there was also the ripple effect of growing communities and helping communities at large. To me, it was maximizing my impact and playing at a very high level. But as that impact got higher, so did the activities and my risks also got higher, like losing your entire investment or being really, really big problems. You know, you go from having $100 problems to having $1,000 problems. You go from having $1,000 problems to having million dollar problems. But that is the challenge I wanted to give myself for my own fulfillment and my growth. And it was after my second acquisition, I'd come off doing one really well. I had done one really, really poorly and had failure, which I don't really believe that's much of a word. I can go into that later if you'd like. But then I went into, let me get a mentor and let me go all in on the education. And I Googled merger and acquisition training. And there was only one person offering it. It was a school. I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to talk negative about anyone, but I thought, I don't want to go back to business school. I don't like college. Like, I always <laughs> want support. And then finally, I found a mentor who is teaching what I wanted. And I went all in. Anything he had for sale, I bought. Anything that he offered, I just said, keep my credit card on file because I meant it for all of it. Because I understand the value of mentorship and partnership. And I went all in and you know, you're on track with the aliveness you'll feel. I'm going to say that again. You'll know you're on track with the aliveness you feel. I've never felt more alive than helping people and serving businesses. It's what I was put on this planet to do. And when I did that, and when I got completely aligned with it, is truly when I got the most momentum. And within two years, I did almost 20 acquisitions. I became wow. a 
time teacher for it. It all just, it all just happened because I was totally like, and I went all in. I had no reservations. I had no doubts. I, I asked them to keep my credit card on file and anything they offered, I bought anything they suggested I did and it worked. And that is the value of listening to a teacher. And like you mentioned earlier, having a call with me and I mentioned, you know, just a couple of things, nothing like rocket, rocket science or brain surgery, just a few simple things. And you immediately got results. And that is who I am to my partners, my students and my clients is giving them those small little directions that's going to have small incremental changes that lead to really massive growth. I love that. It's so true. All right. Let's get into some of the, uh, the challenges of running a business, the size that you have, you know, you have multiple uh, companies that you are uh, running and, and making sure that they go. Uh, you have a great team that you've put into place. Talk to us about some of the challenges of running a business that size these days. You know, this reminds me a lot of a dinner party I just had a few days ago and we were making this uh, beautiful eggplant curry recipe. I love to cook. I love eating healthy and, and I was having a grand time and the someone I was with asked, well, what do you think about those big entrepreneurs? They mentioned a couple famous names of people that are really big entrepreneurs and we think they're kind of crazy and we think they're kind of wrong to their workers. And I told them, I said, well, let me just level with you. One, I've got no judgment against them because I don't know their world. But two, I also understand When you start to scale, there are things I literally am not aware of. Like I am not right now as we talk, there's so many things happening simultaneously on my behalf that I'm writing the checks for and I've got no idea. And a really good story of this is understanding culture. Because the one belief that I do have, because I have one belief that says I can't control everything that happens. And then I have a better belief that says by leading the way as a leader and having an integrity, I can inspire the people beneath me and alongside of me to act in the same way. And here's an example of not knowing what, what's going on in my business is once a week, I talk to my operations manager and we have like our, our weekly huddle and it's just me and her. And we talk about everything that's going on in the portfolio of businesses. And she said, are you aware that one of our team members is asking our manufacturer to count our inventory every week? And I said, well, that sounds like something they would do. They're very concerned about costs and making sure that things are accurate. I've got an amazing team. They're very detailed people, which is great because I'm not. And I said, so that makes sense. But tell me more about what you're saying. She said, well, even though we have the count of inventory through the computer, one of our team members is emailing them every week and asking our manufacturer to count everything by hand. (laughs) And I said, wait, what? And we have thousands of products. And she said, yeah, there was one technical error. So this team member lost complete faith in the computer. And every week they email asking them to count the inventory by hand. And I just lost, I started laughing. And of course, this is not to degrade our manufacturer, our team, but that's an example of culture misdirected. So that's an example of a team member who's wanting to be accurate. They're wanting to save on costs. But asking your manufacturer to count by <laughs> thousands of products a week, that is not an effective way to do it. So that was a teaching moment. So that, that's me talking to the team saying, hey, I totally get that you want to be accurate and let's do it differently. But here's the thing. The manufacturer, who signs those checks? I do. So the manufacturer is probably thinking, oh, that Christopher Wick guy, he's totally <laughs> insane. He's making us count stuff by hand. 
And that's something I wasn't even aware of. So I do have a level of compassion towards the leaders that we see in our business community where we think like, wow, they're not taking care of their drivers or not taking care of their people. They probably don't even know what's going on, but we can have those moments where we realign and we come back and we say, I understand you want accuracy and I understand that you want to make sure our costs are correct. And let's figure out a different way other than having our manufacturer count everything by hand once we, because they're going to get irritated with us so quickly. We're going to lose it and we need them. That's a really good example of like things not going perfectly and also finding humor in that moment and making the amends. So we redirected with the team to, to knock off that habit of sending that email to ask them to count by hand. And we also made them as the manufacturer of, hey, we lost faith in the computer process and here's what we'd like to do moving forward i love that so cool the uh the next couple questions are you you can you can go into them as much as you'd like or as little as you like uh just depends on how you feel in uh what is one of your favorite marketing strategies Ooh, so as a former marketing consultant, that is a wonderful question. And here is the trick. When I was in marketing all throughout my 20s, I taught a three-step process. Number one was get found. Number two was to engage your audience. And number three was to turn your audience into customers. That was everything I taught, everything I did. And that's what led me to helping over 400 businesses before the age of 30 was get found, Engage your audience, turn your audience into customers. I love anything that engages people. Anything that's going to get me a back and forth conversation, I'm going to do. So for example, one of my favorite emails to send is, hey, quick question. And then instead of a a fancy email with a coupon code and a beautiful graphic, just ask them a question. How's everything going with our products and services? And is there anything that we can help with? That is a fantastic email to send because... You're going to get a huge open rate because it says, hey, quick question. And then you're actually going to get people that are going to reply. And most people don't even think they can reply to a business email. They just think it's just a promo. I want anything that creates that conversation. Another great marketing technique is anything that is going to have a huge value perception at a very little cost. One of my favorite examples of this is back when I was doing marketing consulting, I had a very large campaign, client, credibility in the pizza industry. And we would do these blowout contests for free pizza for a year. And of course, everyone got excited. Everyone loves pizza. Everyone wants free pizza for a year. So a huge value perception. And then what we would explain in our contests and our campaigns is it was one pizza a month for 12 months. So it's only 12 pizzas. So for the client, it's no biggie because it's only 12 pizzas. And then for the fan, it's fun because they get free pizza for a whole year. Of course, you know, they're probably imagining eating pizza every single day and that's just not sustainable, but you can't give away a pizza every month. And then for a year, you have an engagement with that customer. Anything that engages back and forth is going to be what's going to win every single time. And I've done this doing super small campaigns where you only have a hundred bucks to do a direct mail campaign. And I've done this spending $50,000 a month on Facebook ads profitably by creating engagement. That's great. I love it. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Uh, what is, you know, with all of your experience in managing and running all these different businesses, what's your favorite operational strategy? Get help. <laughs> Uh, I, that's because I know my weaknesses and I know it's probably 
outstanding to know I have weaknesses. I know you're probably shocked, but I do have them. And one of them is the details and operations. And so my recommendation for that is get help. And so I've got a fantastic team. I've got a fantastic operations manager that does project management boards and all that cool stuff, which I don't do. I live off of a spreadsheet and that works for me, but that doesn't work managing all these people. And that is a great example of where partnerships comes into play and where we really want to trust people that are very good at what they do. Many of my partnerships, I come in as an advisor because I'm always going to have your best interest at stake. I'm always going to be able to see the big picture. I'm always going to be able to see the forest from the trees. If you're in the business working day to day, you won't have that luxury. And that's why people pay for an advisor to say, hey, have you looked at that book behind you on the shelf? Hey, have you thought about these three things? And with operations, that's exactly what I did. I made it my mission to find someone who could help us organize everything going on and make sense of it because it certainly wasn't going to be me. And I knew that. I had to listen to know I'm never going to be a great operations person. And I really don't want to when I'm already naturally gifted at negotiating, rainmaking, coaching, and teaching. Why on earth would I say, well, let me step aside from the gift being one of the world's best coaches. And let me go ahead and figure out how to do this project manager. That's doing a disservice to my people. I can't do it. I love that. I love that. And it's so easy to get stuck on the other side. It is so easy to get stuck in the, okay, I have to learn how to do that, you know? And I think after having bootstrapped, you know, a number of different companies, it's so easy to get stuck in that and you, you, you end up doing everything. You're taking out the trash, you're cleaning the bathrooms, you're, you're doing the marketing and you're trying to sell to the next person coming in the door. And, and it, it's just not sustainable and it's not scalable. You know, get, getting help is, uh, so undervalued, but so, so important. Okay. Last one. Uh, what's your favorite sales strategy? My fail, my favorite sales strategy is the understanding that I have a moral obligation to sell. Many people don't like to be salespeople. In fact, back when I was in business school on day one, it's like, I just want to help people. I couldn't imagine selling people because that sounded (laughs) almost bad. And here at, at this stage, I am a very passionate person when it comes to selling. I'm not aggressive. I'm not pushy at all. But I have such an intentional focus on the person in front of me and it's understanding I've got to help this person. I will go to the ends of the earth to do so. And a really good example of this is recently I was at a conference and I love going to conferences because I get to network and meet people. It's even better when I'm teaching at the conferences because I have a lot of visibility. And there was an individual who had two instances where he had me completely alone in a room. And I told him, I said, this is so rare. And I said, "And, and I know you don't know me very well yet. I said, but This is definitely something from the universe, from your higher power, whomever it is, that you need to take a look at this. And you, there may be something you really need to learn from me. And he was a very young man. He had just gotten out of school. He had no money, no income. And I told him, I said, look, here's my commitment to you. If you'd like to work with me, I will give you my contact information and my commitment to you is I promise to do whatever I can to help you. Well, a week later, sure enough, he tracks me down. He gets me on a phone call and then we started a beautiful business relationship and he became one of our partners, even with the limited income that he had, even with the age factor of not knowing what he was doing. But because he was committed, I could have helped this person for free, but that would not have been doing him a service. 
I could have waived it and said, well, let me just do one pro bono case a year. And I do not do that because I believe the transaction of value, the transaction of that financial transaction, however small or big it may be, is what gets people truly committed. And he's doing fabulously. And that's a really good example where if I didn't want to sell, if I was scared to sell, I would have just said, well, you know, he's fresh out of college. He doesn't have any resources. Let me go ahead and just help him. But that would have been the case because... I was that college student. I was that 20-something-year-old guy who had no money, no resources, nothing, and begged, borrowed, and stealed so I could get that opportunity. And if someone had given it to me for free, they would have been taking the opportunity from me. So for anyone who's listening who isn't a very passionate salesperson, I want to beg you to reconsider because as someone that every day I offer my products and services to people it's because my obligation to serve them is serve them at the highest level possible to truly transform them, not to make a commission, not to make dollars. Because I told him, and like I'll tell your listeners, paying me won't change my life because I've got multiple streams of income. I've, life is great. It'll change yours because of the commitment they are going to have and what we'll do together in terms of our partnership. It's amazing how that shows up over and over again. And I, we, we once had, uh, a program that we sold on a group end and we were testing out the, uh, the price of it on a small end and we sold the same program as a high ticket offer for some extra benefits. Uh, and it was amazing. The same exact program, same exact material, same exact, uh, possible outcome. And the people that paid the high ticket got the result. The people that practically got it for free, just did not follow through. And it was, it was incredible because it was actual numbers and proof right there in front of us that we saw. And, and we, we really took it to heart, you know, cause we've always heard that we've always heard when you pay, you pay attention and it is so true. And unfortunately it's just part of our makeup. I think as humans, it's just part of how we operate. We have to, like you said, have that transactional uh, engagement. Okay. So I'm dying to know this all your cool team members, what were two of your best hires that you've ever uh, made in, in all the years of business? I'd love to take credit for my two best hires. And truly, I believe that when you live a life of service like I do and where every day my question is, is how can I serve as many people as possible today? Even before joining your podcast, I have a saying that I say before every meeting, every seminar is, uh, all this huge, long saying about serving people at the highest level to get the most out of every moment, I believe that attracts very strong people because of that culture. And people talk about culture like a warm and fuzzy thing. And I remember when I first started doing business, I thought, oh, culture, I'll fix later. Let's work on the finance first so we can stay alive. And truly, uh, my two best hires is one of my team members as a project manager, and she's like one of my right-hand people. She's been with me for years, and I want to highlight her because I want to tell a little story. And this has happened to me twice in my career, and I want everyone listening to pay attention and get out your notes. This one team member I'm going to reference, and I'll tell another uh, team member story. She had joined me four years ago, and she had taken the opportunity to work for me. She was very excited. Uh, she started working for me when I was doing marketing consulting. And her first week in our training, we have everyone go through our videos, and they watch seminars of me that I've given to students and rooms. And now the seminars are, like, super old. I, I had a lot more hair back then. I was much younger than the wrinkles. So it's, it's really great, but we keep the videos the same because the concepts are the same. Uh, and she remembers thinking that first week, like, is it truly to have a business? 
succeed just on based on helping other people? Is this really about helping people and not just focus on profits? Can it be? Can that really be true? That was her question. And she just kind of sat with that the whole week as she's watching these videos of me as this early 20-something-year-old talking about helping people grow their businesses, changing the global economy, helping people create abundance. And a week later, two weeks into her position, she gets another job offer. And it was a job offer for the company she applied to right before mine. And it was going to pay her double. And she had a moment of decision. Does she go with this guy who's talking about changing the world and growing businesses, improving people's lives? Or does she go work for this person that's instantly going to offer her double, but it's just manufacturing? And she made a decision at that moment. I'm going to go with the guy that has a dream. And she's been with me for four years. Her income has grown by over four times. She's built her own home. She's the who's who in her neighborhood. And that is a very good testament to not just me and not just my vision, but also her commitment to choosing a certain lifestyle and her commitment to choosing what kind of job she wanted to have. And that reminded me very much of my very first big hire as an entrepreneur. I was in my mid-20s. I hired my first in-office person who was very expensive. They weren't cheap like a virtual assistant. They were very expensive. I'd hired this person. Uh, she had a lot of passion. She had a lot of dreams. And four weeks into her employment, we're having a lunch meeting with a client. The client goes, we're doing our action items. And she says, Christopher, I'd like to tell you something. And she says, last week, I was just given a job offer to go work for an oil and gas company. And they offered to pay me three times as much as what you're paying me. So as a mid, as a mid 20 something year old guy who's got no budget, I'm like, Oh, like this is the moment I paid for a month of work and she's going to be gone. And she looked at me and she said, I believe I have more potential here with helping people and making a difference in our community. And she said, I believe the income will follow. And within nine months, she was making exactly what the other company had offered her because she did so well in her position. Now, those two stories, I can't take all the credit for. Those were also people that were incredibly gifted, passionate, and had that innate desire within them to join me in my mission of service and helping people become wonderfully abundant and financially independent. So those are my two favorite hires and a really great testament to doing what you do even if you're strapped on budget, even if you don't know the next step, that you can find good people. I love that. I love that. It's so important. Find the help. Find the people that can help you be the best that you can be. That's great. Uh, okay, so we could do this all day long, but I want to take a moment. We've talked about partnering and, and having great partnerships and, and doing that, finding great help, uh, finding people that are the right fit for your team. But how can our audience find you? How can they get in touch with you? How can they work with you? What, what should they do to, uh, to get in touch if they're interested? Well, I'm a simple guy. You know me, so I don't have a whole bunch of fancy marketing or sales phones. We do have a website. If you go to www.sayyesenterprises, you'll find our investment firm. You can also look me up on LinkedIn, Christopher Michael Wick, and connect with me. Visit the website. And the premier thing that we offer is our GAP program, which is Growth Acquisition Partner Program. We help businesses go from good to great and really help them thrive. And where you get the opportunity, if you do your homework and if you're a good student, you'll actually get the opportunity to partner with me personally after working with my team. And we help scale your business to a new height, whether you want to exit, whether you want to grow, whether you want to retire. We've seen it all. We've done it all. Those would be the things that I would do. And here's my message for you and our listeners today is, 
There is a gap within your business, I promise you. There's a gap within your skill set. There's a gap within your operations. And I want you to fill that. And I want you to fill that gap with great team members, but also a fantastic business partner because I don't want you to do this alone. I did that for way too long and I worked way too hard. And here as I stand before you today as someone with a wonderful lifestyle and wonderful accolades and wonderful things going, I do not work like that anymore. And partnership is the name of the game where I've got wonderful partners and across many different business deals. And so the question that I was teaching my students this morning is when you get a deal or you get a new campaign or you get a new project, your question should be, who should I do this with? Who could really bring more value to this business? Who could bring more value to this campaign? And who should I work with? Who should I partner with in this deal? I'd rather have 50-50 of a deal than 100% any day for leverage and the the ability to infinitely scale. And that would be the message. Don't go at it alone. Don't do it alone. That stuff is way too hard. And join with someone who has walked the path. And as I said to one of my partners earlier this week, wouldn't it be amazing if you could go down the path that I've already gone down? Wouldn't it be amazing if I could show you the shortcuts? Wouldn't it be amazing if I could show you the pitfalls? Wouldn't it be amazing if I could already introduce you to the team of operations and legal and marketers that you need? You don't have to go vet all these people. They're already here. They're in our back pocket. They work for our portfolio companies. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could just take that shortcut? And that's what I help my partners do every single day. I love that. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest today, and I'm so thankful that you take the time out of your schedule of doing exactly what you love to do to join us today. It's a privilege and an honor to have you as a guest, and uh, and to everybody out there, we'll put uh, the links in the description that he mentioned and so go look them up and uh, and get busy get using the information that you heard about today and thank you so much chris for joining us it's been a pleasure all right thank you my friend thanks for joining us today want more business choreography check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more and find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact Remember, every business needs choreography.